Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to a very spooky episode of Hello, Fellow Kids. Today's episode is brought to you by our childhood fears, nightmares, and terrors. And the letter S. For spooky. (laughs) (laughs) This is episode 32, and instead of reading a book, uh, like we promised at the end of last episode, we are going to be just talking about some of the stuff that spooked us from childhood. But this is supposed to be a fun, goofy spook time and not a trigger warning. Let's dive into horrific, scarring uh, experiences. So don't worry about that. That's a different episode. That is, yeah. (laughs) Let's never do that episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine that'd be fun for anyone. So we each have a top ten list and... I think what I did for mine, I think it was in order of how spooky I still find the thing, like, looking back on it now. If I'm just like, like, some of it is like, what was I even scared of? And some of it's like, no, I getcha. Yeah, yeah, that's basically how I did mine, too. So, like, the bottom five is stuff that does not upset me to this day, but top five is still upsetting. (laughs) Or at least I can understand why I was frightened. Because there's some things where you're just all like, why were you afraid of the uh, hamburger helper glove? That's weird. You know? (laughs) I was never afraid of that. I just thought of the most innocuous thing I could. (laughs) Actually, there's some people who were really afraid of, like, the snuggle bear from the uh, fabric softener. Like, they were just... Yeah, the people... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people who are completely terrified by that thing. And it never bothered me. And I was a puss, so... I'm not saying anyone else is, but I kind of am. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, teddy bears, not that. I'm trying to think if there was any sort of advertising material that freaked me out. Like, I'm sure, like, old versions of, like, Ronald McDonald really would have freaked me out, but by oh, the time it got to my yeah. childhood, it was like, yeah, it's a clown, but I've seen worse clowns. He'd been watered down pretty well by the time we came along, but yeah, early Ronald McDonald was pretty rough. I don't know how that got to continue on. Maybe kids were just tougher back then. I don't know. They're all like, we're dying of polio. Clown doesn't bother me. People I mean, were they dying must have been polio. tough because they grew up to tell us all that we're just special snowflakes. But then if you suggest they wear a mask, whoosh, who's Frosty now? (laughs) Speaking of which, number 10 on my list, Frosty the Snowman. Are you serious? No, but that would have been really nice. That would have been the best segue ever. (laughs) Um, I think we agreed that I'd be going first, though. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's not Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, are we ready to jump into our top 10? Let's do it. Top 10, childhood fears. Okay. My number 10 didn't really justify that (laughs) buildup. Well, number 10s are never that, like, amazing. Anyway, um, so my number 10 is uh, growing up slash middle school. Terrified of that. Specifically middle school, because, like, as early as, like, age 8, I would lay awake at night crying, thinking of having to go to middle school. Because the worst day of my life was always the very first day of school. Because you don't know anybody, you have to find the classroom, all of that. But then, you know, you just go through that horror once, and then you find your desk, and you, like, befriend the people around you, and then that's it for the year. Middle school, you had to go through that multiple times in a day. So I was so upset about that. 
to the point where I'd lay awake crying at age eight. And it's like, this isn't going to happen for a while. <laughs> you can maybe not worry about it so hard. But I did. And uh, my mom always likes bringing up how, like, I was 10 years old uh, fretting about bills. Like, how do I know how to pay bills? Where do you send them? When do they come? Who do you send them to? What happens? And, like, my mom had to take out all the bills that she had uh, stored in her little tea set and, and, like, show me, like, okay, uh, they send these to you. They don't expect you to just know when to send money. They shows you see the amount and, like, showed me how to pay bills when I was 10 because all that adult stuff seemed very frightening. And now that I'm older, bills aren't scary. Yeah, but to be fair... There's very little prep work that's done into, like, actual what you have to deal on a, with on a day-to-day basis as an adult. Like, a lot yeah. of that stuff just doesn't get covered. Like, it when really I went doesn't. In, I went in to set up, like, the uh, electricity for, like, the apartment, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to know that I can, like, turn stuff on. They didn't give you a packet? They didn't give me a packet. No, I didn't get a packet. Yeah, they gave us a packet, like, uh... At any apartment I've moved to, they gave you a packet like, okay, this is the electric company in this area. Uh, this is a place that takes gas, so you're going to have to set up with the gas company. Uh, you don't have to worry about water because we provide water, you know, all of that. So in my experience, they've always told you what to do, so I haven't had to freak out about it. Yeah. Or just like, there's so much stuff that it seems odd to me that there isn't an instruction page somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff. it's stuff that, like, once you know how to do it, obviously you know how to do it, but nobody thinks about the fact that, for a lot of people, it's their first time doing something. Like, anything from, like, if it's not a clearly labeled bus. Like, you don't necessarily yes. know, like, what the heck are you doing on the bus? Are you, like, how are you supposed to know that you have to pull the rope when you see your stop coming, or, like, what the stops even are, and stuff like that? It's like, it... Right. A lot yeah. of it just isn't... It's not... It's just the assumption that somewhere along the line you've already learned it, but sometime has to be everybody's first time with a lot of stuff, and I think that we should make those things more clear. Right, yeah, the, there should be a class, like, Basic Crap 101, where they're like, this is how you read a bus timetable. This is what you do when you're on the bus. You know, pay attention, yeah. like, maybe you do have to scan the card. Sometimes you just have to show them the card. And it doesn't help that every bus driver is such a bitch about if you don't know the exact protocol, you know? Yeah. Some of them are. They're like, I don't, you don't need to scan it. I just need to look at it. And you're just like, that's weird. Every other place I've been, you scan the card. Why are you so rude? On my way home from school, I have to first take a city bus, and then I have to switch over to a special community transit line. And so the... The local bus, you pay when you get on the bus, and then the other one, there's a pay at the stop, and then you just walk on. And because I'm switching between those in the same trip, so often I will forget which bus I'm about to board, and I will try to pay the wrong way, and I'll get really confused. Oh. Um, there's just so many little things like that in your day-to-day life that it's like, if somebody could just be clearer on this, that'd be fantastic. And it was things like that that like upset me when I was a child and set me up for like lifetime anxiety of new things because no one's ever super patient with people who are new to things. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some people who are, but sometimes that uh, patience is limited. So yeah, that's number 10. Uh, the whole concept of growing up and what that entails and the particular specter of middle school. What's your number 10, sir? 
Uh, number 10 for me is uh, also kind of existential, but in a different sort of way. Mine is a specific scene from the film Spirited Away. Really? Okay. Yes. Have Which you seen Spirited Away? I have, but it was a while ago. Okay. So uh, there is a scene where the main character needs to, she needs to go and visit uh, like a witch in a swamp. And to get there, she travels on a train, and it's just, it's it's a single train track basically across an ocean. And she gets on, and it's just her and a couple of her companions, and then everybody else that boards the train are just these kind of, like, ghostly figures. There's nothing scary about them. They are just transparent people that get on the bus, and then they... Um, and the whole sequence is only, like, I don't know, maybe three minutes or something, and it's totally silent, and it's just them going on this train. And I believe... Like, the symbolic nature of it is this is kind of like, this is the the train to the afterlife, and so if she were to stay on the track all the way to the end, it would take her all the way through to whatever would come next, um, but she gets off at her stop and, like, it's all fine or whatever. But the reason why it's on the list is because something about that scene puts my brain in a weird trance where when the scene is done, I don't remember experiencing the scene. I've seen the film like five or six times now. And so I know the scene, but every time I finish it up and I'm like, I don't remember it. I don't remember what was there. And so I have to like, I have to work to remember that specific scene because it, it's almost like it embodies what it is. It, it has this sort of spirit like quality where it just kind of disappears immediately after I watch it every single time, and it's so weird. And so when I first saw it, I remember that feeling really creeped me out. Now that I've seen it a few times, I kind of know to expect it, but it's still a very strange feeling. So that's my number 10. Yeah, that yeah, that completely messes with your head. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yikes. Alright, um, well, my number 9 is having my head underwater. <laughs> I was like, I, have I to mean, follow that's up. valid, but yeah, that transition. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is going to suck. Yeah, I did not like having my head underwater. My poor mother would have to fight me to get to, like, wash my hair. And I'd scream and, and be like, ah, and panicking. And I hated going to the hairdresser to get my hair cut because then you'd have – I was so scared of, like, those deep bowls that you put your head into to – like get your hair washed before the haircuts mm-hmm. and those are fairly deep bowls and i guess it's a sink it just kind of reminds me of like a really deep bowl but a four-year-old is quite tiny so they must have just seemed like an enormous bathtub and like oh my god my whole head's gonna get submerged if this lady gets distracted with talking to her friend for too long you know but my mom always talked to the hairdresser beforehand and I'd have my hair wet with like a spritz bottle. They just like take the strands and spray it all wet and not wash my hair. Yeah. So I wouldn't pay. And then, um, oddly enough, I ended up at the YMCA preschool where we'd swim at the end of the day in the pool. Never had a problem. Didn't have a fit, but I think I'd outgrown that particular fear at that point. But my mom used to threaten me. Uh, I'd be like being a little bitch or whatever. And uh, because she's like, okay, we have to go get you a haircut. You look like a shaggy dog. That was her thing. It was always like, you look like a shaggy dog is what she'd say to me. And, um, cause there was a Disney movie called the shaggy dog. So she wasn't just like being hateful, but, uh, is that Tim Allen? 
Sir, that's like the remake. There was like a 1960s one called The Shaggy Dog. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the Tim Allen one didn't happen yet at this time. This would have been like 88 or 89. But um, yeah, she'd say like, okay, either you get a haircut or you're getting your ears pierced. And I was really scared of getting my ears pierced, so I would get the haircut. Why is that the trade-off? Because she knew I wouldn't get my ears pierced. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to say the thing I know for sure she's not going to do. <laughs> or the haircut. She was brilliant, my mother. So having my head underwater is the number nine rather than the ear piercing, because that didn't actually have a significant effect on my life. And I ended up getting my ears pierced twice, uh, once when I was seven, and then they closed up because I never wore earrings, and then a second time when I was ten. So, yeah, it's fine. Okay. I'm trying to think if I have any water-related fears. I was always pretty good with the water stuff. That's good. Um, I mean, I I grew out of it pretty fast, and I've yeah. always been, I've been comfortable with water ever since. But yeah. I don't know, it's just something weird that it was just a few years of my life, and then I just like nothing miraculous happened to suddenly cure me of it. It just I grew out of it. I just actually remembered a sort of related fear that is not on my list, but I'm just gonna drop it in right now. It's a uh, it's a bonus they, one. Yeah, bo- bonus spoop. Uh, <laughs> I was afraid of my big boy bed, uh, like many people were. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I spent two solid years sleeping on the floor. Yeah. There's not much to that, except I just, I did that for quite a long time. That's actually um, pretty, that's actually pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number nine for me is related to another movie. It is uh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, no. But it's not, <laughs> it's not. Most of the movie. I'm totally okay. fine with the guy with giant scissors for hands and weird gothic makeup. It is towards the end when, like, the bullies are gonna, like, kill him or whatever. Right, yeah. I left the room and I refused oh. to watch the last bit because I was so upset. I have never seen the last ten minutes of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> you know what happens, at least? Did you, like, read Wikipedia to find I out what I think my happened? parents to- told me afterwards but yeah i was i was too spooked because i i cared too much about about edward that i didn't want anything bad to happen to him yeah uh edward was fine yeah yeah but yeah i uh i still have not technically finished watching edward scissorhands because of that it's Um, probably fine you you saw you saw everything pretty much (laughs) (laughs) i remember uh my mom took us to see that movie in the theater we were both very young children but she you know, she couldn't just leave us at home. And there was no other options for where she, what she could do with us. Do with us. And yeah. my mom really, really wanted to see that movie. She really wanted to see it. So she took us, and uh, like Ian was bored, and he got up and he was like walking back and forth through down the aisles rather than like sit. Like he sat for a while, but it's quite a long film considering trying to bring like a six-year-old and a two-year-old to it. And I tried to attend to it, and I did, but again, the length of the film and plus the more uh, mature themes and that kind of thing, just a, a lot of it kind of flew over my head. So I was leaning towards my mom going, is it over yet? Is it over yet? <laughs> so I can't I imagine her ex- her viewing experience was that great by the end of it. No, uh-uh. <laughs> but um, I remember being upset by the scene 
this is actually very mature of me to be upset by, but um, that lady who was like all horny for him, like yeah. she decides she wants him to come work as a hairdresser at her salon, and then she takes him into a back room there and basically sexually assaults him. I hated that whole scene. Like I, I could see how scared and like uncomfortable Edward was, and I was just like, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't really get what was happening because I was, again, I was like six so i was and uh the only sex scene inside scene in movies had been like consensual people happy like having a good time together kind of things before they get killed by the bad guy because i had a bad babysitter <laughs> <laughs> but i hadn't really seen like anything rapey before so the very first um sexual assault i ever actually witnessed in a film was on a man so um i've never had a hard time understanding that that could happen to men probably because yeah. that was my first exposure to it. And I've j- and anytime I know that there's a scene like that in a movie, I'm like, I don't want to watch this movie. I don't want to see it because I just, just this knee jerk. Like, I, I hate this. Yeah. So I, unfortunately, this just got a little serious and we warned that it wouldn't. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you on the Edward Scissorhands being kind of how old were you when you had to leave? Like when you saw this, when you had to leave the room? I would say probably in the 10-ish range. Okay, so that's better than 6. Yeah, like I was, I, I, it was definitely one of the, like, it was one of those movies where my parents had to, like, have the discussion of, like, do we think that, you know, even with a couple of these scenes, it's going to be okay for him to watch sort of a thing? So it was somewhere in that age. Okay. Was that everything about Edward Scissorhands that you wanted? Yeah. Okay. It was, it was actually a memory that, like, I, until I was making this list, I had totally forgotten that I had never seen all of Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of that way about Jaws for a very long time. I left the room when that kid on the on the uh, boogie board or whatever gets eaten. I'm like, nope, and I got up and left. I remember my mom pointed out, though, because I was just like, yeah, he wouldn't have gotten killed if he'd listened to his mom to begin with when she said, okay, we're done for the day. And he said, oh, can I go out one more time? And then he did and got eaten. And I'm just like... You're going to turn everything into a teaching moment, aren't you? <laughs> like, And this is why kids are shitty. <laughs> this is Don't. why you always leave a note. <laughs> Got eaten by shark. Sorry, Mara. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number eight comes from the television show that was my absolute favorite show when I was a kid. Came on every Saturday night on Nickelodeon. It was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, I always had a good time. I'd get like spooked, but nothing was too upsetting until this episode, which was uh, the tale of Quicksilver. Basically, the episode begins like a lot of them do, like some sibling, like this family with like a couple of siblings moves to a new town, a new house, da da da. But this house has a spirit in the walls that uh, has killed a kid before in the actually the story began with like the kid trying to like capture the spirit in an amulet in like the um w- when you like perform like a ceremony or something the ritual say it. Okay. that's it the ritual goes wrong and the kids consumed by the evil spirit and this evil spirit that lives in the walls is the scariest freaking dude in the world i sent josh the picture just now this is yeah, the makeup work on this guy. I was waiting until you mentioned it to look at it. Yeah. The makeup oh. work on this guy is, yeah. I lost so much sleep. Like, I was, like, laying in bed crying, trying to sleep, but thinking this guy was going to come out of the walls. But why would he? He hadn't before. 
We'd been living in the house for a few years. It doesn't make any sense to be scared of this. It was the long con. (laughs) Now that you saw the episode, you know I exist. Yeah, he was terrifying. Um, But luckily, the kids do uh, vanquish him. And uh, they find, like, the first kid's remains of the uh, ritual. Not her remains. That's horrible. But, like, what she'd used. But uh, you're supposed to, like, use, like, a piece of silver like in this like wand or whatever and you order him to get inside the amulet and like the kid's like oh no it's not working and he looks at the wand and goes like this is a spoon this isn't silver it's steel (laughs) because she thought silverware you know so so he like throws it off and like he this whole episode he's been wearing like this silver necklace that came from his like grandparent maybe I don't know so he like ripped off the neck his necklace and put it in the thing and then the the monster looks like oh shit someone grew a brain and then like that's 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 it they defeat the monster but um that episode that episode was particularly upsetting um I've seen it in like top 10 lists for like scariest episode of are you afraid of the dark Number one usually goes to, like, the ghastly grinner. You can look that one up on your own. He's pretty awful, but I thought this guy looked more like what I'm afraid of. It's just those big, creepy eyes. Like, we should tell them what this guy looks like. Can you describe it better than me? It's, like, Uh, kind of this skull, rotting skull kind of face with, like, he's got big eyes that are just emphasized by all this dark makeup around his eyes, and he looks really sinister. Yeah, it's a little bit of like a, it's a little kind of like a green Emperor Palpatine sort of thing going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the, the, the makeup work is designed to really emphasize the, uh, all of the like contours of the skull while still being fleshy at the same time. It's kind of a weird combination. I, uh, it, I think it looks odd now as an adult, but as a child, this was very effective. Yeah. And, and- <laughs> upsetting. Uh, also, is he, does he have a cloak or a mullet? I think this is a cloak, but the lighting kind cloak. of... Sorry, okay. yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. definitely a cloak. <laughs> so, um, that was it. The The episode that terrified my brother was uh, oh, Tale of the Crimson Clown, and there's, like, this little brother who's a little piece of shit, and then this clown comes after him. And at the end of the episode, my brother burst into tears. He was like three at the time, so maybe he shouldn't have been watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) But that was the only episode that ever upset him. So that would probably be like his like number nine, maybe. (laughs) Okay, what's what's your number eight, sir? Unless you never watched Are You Afraid of the Dark. You were a goosebumps guy, right? I probably ended up seeing a couple episodes, uh, but I did not watch it with any... Uh, I, I know it was, like, rebooted in the early 2000s, so it would have been in your age group, maybe, to, like, maybe have seen it or something. Or you might have been too old at that point. Uh, I do, yeah, I don't remember watching the reboot, but I will say that Nickelodeon histor- historically has been better about long-term reruns than some of the other channels, so, yeah. like, you know... <laughs> Like I, I ended up watching a lot of the the shows from the earlier part of the '90s that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. But even the Goosebumps, I don't think I watched any of the Goosebumps stuff like on TV. I checked them out from the library. Okay, I recommend it to people to uh, to watch. It's like this really great slice of like '90s Americana. 
Yeah. I just I really enjoy it for that reason. You just like look at the clothes and go like what the hell's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> and um and some of the slang and also all the episodes were filmed in Canada so the kids all sound just a little bit odd. I'm just like they all say sorry. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. like this is where the body was buried. I'm like buried? You mean buried? <laughs> Why are you talking so weird? It wasn't until I got older that I like, found out that a lot of shows are filmed in Canada. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like I watched like I watched like A Secret World of Alex Mack and Clarissa Explains It All, and like Clarissa Explains It All was done in '94, so I was only one when it was over, and I still managed to yeah. see a bunch of episodes. So that's such a solid show. It is. I have the first season on DVD. I think it's the only season they put on DVD, but I snapped uh, it. Yeah, um, Cla- um, Melissa Joan Hart, Clarissa herself, was actually in an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? They did that sometimes. What, not all the as time. As Clarissa? No, that would have been great. She was just, just talking to the camera like, there's a ghost in my house. <laughs> the, the, I'm going to feed the him The Nickelodeon to- <laughs> Cinematic Universe. I'm going to feed him to, to Fergwad. Isn't that what she called her brother, like, Fergwad, Fergface? Yeah. And then, like, Pete and Pete show up at the campfire. Oh my god, that would have been so great. Why didn't they do that? Oh, Nickelodeon, so many missed opportunities. I loved Pete and Pete. Anyway. I have the first two seasons of that one. I feel like Pete and Pete has one of the best theme songs ever. Yeah. And so does Clarissa Explains It All. They were very good at theme songs, at old school Nickelodeon. Like, they were all, like, really good. Like, I love the Doug theme tune. I still think that's a really great theme song. That, that one that one low-key slaps. I would say it high-key slaps, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are we ready to... What's, what's... Yeah, now that we've aged ourselves by <laughs> trying to say slaps. <laughs> Number eight uh, goes to Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. But specifically, the original illustrations, and even more specifically, there's some one illustration that every time I flip through, I'm like, it's not here, it's not here, but there, somewhere out there, there's one that I remember, I specifically remember being at Barnes & Noble and flipping it open and seeing it and immediately just putting it back on the shelf and walking away. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> I was so done! <laughs> you open it, nope, close it, walk off. Yeah! Yeah, I I had a very visceral reaction to I it's it's some it's one of the like it's like a face or like maybe a maybe like a a head and torso situation like but it was a very it, there was a specific character image that I remember opening it up and just ha- just having that I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that the- that would do it. <laughs> Those illustrations, man, if, if if there's anybody out there that for whatever reason hasn't seen the original round of illustrations, those are like, those images by themselves should be like PG-13, just by the creep factor of them. They're something, that's why they were banned in schools so much. I don't think it was ever the content of the stories, really. It was yeah. definitely those horrific illustrations. Like, they are excellent like i have an appreciation for them as an adult i never got to read them when i was a kid kid because there was always like a really long waiting list for them at yeah. the, li- the library and my mom refused to buy them for me i'd see them in the um in the scholastic catalog for you could order the books like the book orders and i'd be like can i get that and she'd be like no you already have a hard time sleeping because of everything 
I'm not going to keep you awake with something I intentionally gave you. I'm not going to buy you a book you're then going to have to, like, lock away in a desk drawer. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she, like, refused to uh, buy them for me. And I knew I, I like got to hear a couple of the stories because uh, the school librarian, not at the first elementary school I went to because she was a raging bitch and uh, I hated her. But the second librarian I had when I uh, switched schools, she was a really great lady. She never discouraged you from reading anything, which is all the first librarian ever did. She'd be like, that's not in your age level. You can't. She was so obsessed with like age levels and grades and stuff. Like, uh, the first librarian was the one who told, who, who had the rule that only third graders and up could, uh, check out chapter books. And, um, my mom got really mad because, like, I was in first grade and I was coming home from library day with, like, picture books. And she's like, why do you keep bringing these picture books home? And I was like, I'm not allowed to check out anything. So at my parent teacher conference, my mom talked to my teacher about it. And then the next time we had library day, the, t- the librarian pulled me aside and was like, okay, you can get chapter books, but no one else can. You know, she was like really weird about it. I feel like you should get stuff that's appropriate for your level. But the second librarian, totally not like that. I would pick out like an enormous book since she'd look at it and go, that's a really good book. And I once got like the enormous book of like Uncle Ramus's, um stories, you know, like, um, was it Br'er Rabbit and all that? And yeah. uh, I got it because it was the thickest book in the library, and I kind of wanted to show off a little bit. But and she <laughs> you did to flex, basically <laughs> weird flex, but okay. And um, she's checking me out with the book, and she um, doesn't go like, "Give me a break, put this back. You're not actually going to read all this." She said like, "You know, this is written in dialect, which might be a little hard for you to understand. So I suggest reading it out loud. So then, you know." You'll make sense of the words, which is such a good advice to give to somebody. That's amazing. She was an amazing lady anyway. So it was around Halloween time and she read us a couple books or a couple stories from one of the scary stories uh, collections. And I think it was like something that had like a more mellow picture because I don't remember being dramatized by it. But yeah, she wasn't saying like, this is too scary. I don't want this in my library. This is awful. She was very much like, a, I want to encourage everybody to read kind of person. And she had the library open during lunch. So you could go in during lunch to like hang out in there and read. And sometimes uh, she'd be playing like a movie because she'd start like a movie during the library time and we wouldn't finish it. And she'd go like, come in during lunch if you want to see the rest of this. And we would. I miss her. She's a good lady. So, yeah, that's my long story of uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. (laughs) Do you remember if she was, like, older or younger as far as librarians go? She was not young. I wouldn't call her elderly either. She was just solid, like, mom age. I'd say, say, like, mid-40s, maybe. But, um, yeah, she was, I don't know, very good librarian. I'm glad that I... I hated having to move and switch schools, but to end up with someone like that at a school, I think that was a win. Yeah, for sure. Any any more insights into scary stories to tell in the dark? No, not really. I mean, okay. I, I think a lot of people who would theoretically listen to this podcast if they knew it existed would definitely just be like, oh, yep, no, I gotcha. You know, everybody's going to have their one from those collections, probably. Yes, yes. 
I just love the mental image of you closing the book and walking away. Like, no. <laughs> oh, I did eventually read them as an adult. And um, as a adult in my 30s, I was like, I don't want this in my room. And I, <laughs> I had to put it in another room because I'm like, I don't. What, what did I think was going to happen? They were going to come to life during the night and like do something. I was just like, I just don't want them in here. Or I like I had to stack like bigger books on top of it. We never really grow up, do we? <laughs> Not on this podcast. Not on this podcast, where we've been in middle school for the last like three years. <laughs> well, that's how long you're in middle school. Shut up. I think it's the same grade. We're always like, yeah, yeah seventh. And he's like, how many times have you been in seventh grade? I'm like, well, you mind your business. <laughs> we're, we're like in the woods with Bella. Like she's like, how long have you been in seventh grade? And we're like, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Edward. Okay, so uh, we're ready to move on to our number sevens. Yes. And, okay, I've, yes. and I've sent you a picture of what my next thing is. Yep. yep. So there was a film. I, I've mentioned earlier that I had a bad babysitter. She worked at um, like a mom and pop kind of shop, like a corner store type of place. It still exists to this day. I don't know if they still rent out VHSs, but since the whole area looks exactly the way it did in like 1990 when I lived there, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they still had VHS tapes in there. That's amazing. But uh, yeah, the she worked there, so she was always renting tapes. And uh, I think she always just rented stuff she wanted to see, and she liked horror movies. So that's what I watched all the time. And I saw lots of, I've saw so many horrific deaths. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. I think you're all like, what was the first R-rated movie you ever saw? And I said, Josh, I saw RoboCop when I was four. So I'm not, that's not a good question for me. I think you said, what's your, what PG-13, what was your first PG-13 movie? And I couldn't answer you. But um, anyway, so this film that's on my number seven is one that uh, it's really campy and crazy and kind of silly. And if I had seen it as an adult, I'd be like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. But when I was seven, I didn't know what campy and crazy like were. So I just took it at face value. So it was completely horrific to me. And it was a uh, slumber party massacre too. <laughs> The first one, there was a guy with like a drill who killed people, and I think it was played more serious. The second one steps up the camp factor by like a million. Uh, the villain comes out of the girl's dream somehow. None of it makes any sense. No sense at all. He's dressed like this vampire rockabilly. He has the drill. It's on the end of a guitar. I sent it to Josh. There's gore all over it in the picture I sent you. It just, it was like a more particularly ridiculous picture I just wanted to send. And He's in the middle of murdering all these teens. He stops in the living room to suddenly have an impromptu, like, rockabilly dance number, singing and playing <laughs> the guitar. And the girls are, like, upstairs, like, trying to move this cheap, rickety-looking dresser in front of the door to try and stop him. And, like, there's a girl in the hall, like, pounding on the door, like, he's coming, he's coming. And he'd already, like, drilled her once. That sounds bad. But... <laughs> <laughs> And, like, there's, like, scenes where you just see him in a dark silhouette, like, playing the guitar and, like, waggling his tongue while the drill goes on the end of the guitar. And um, I remembered every single freaking frame of this, and I saw it when I was probably four or five. And I watched it again because they had it in its entirety on YouTube. 
uh, I saw it when I was like 30, like again, and I'm like, this is insane. I wish I hadn't seen this when I was a kid because I still felt the instinctive fear. Like I, I still felt uneasy and sick and I had a hard time sleeping after I watched it, even though it's stupid, just because I had that baseline terror to begin with. <sighs> so did you see that picture? Did you see how horrible? Yeah, I, I saw the picture and then I'm looking at the like similar images where you can see the entirety of his guitar and it's so extra. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He has this horrible laugh. Where he's like, <laughs> like that. I don't know how you could take it serious. But like, well, when you're four, yeah, I had no idea this. Yeah, he just randomly has like a dance routine. And I think they like pump like some like um, theater smoke in as well. So it's just all like (laughs) for no reason. This like 80s condo is filled with like dramatic smoke while he's like dancing around singing and crap. You might want to look that up later on YouTube. It's so stupid. Okay. (laughs) But it scared me. The camp factor just sailed over my head because I didn't know what campiness was. Uh, The same thing happened to me with the movie The Toxic Avenger because that's supposed to be like I saw like a clip. I was like, I remember this movie being like really horrible and frightening. And then I saw a clip of it on YouTube. I'm like, this looks so silly. (laughs) Like, why was I so scared? It's like because you didn't get it. You just accepted everything that was like presented to you to be what it is. You know, I didn't understand satire. <laughs> so there it is, Slumber Party Massacre 2. I recommend everyone go watch it. <laughs> or at least look up the scene where he has his stupid singing dance number. <laughs> okay, Josh, what's your number seven? My number seven uh, actually is, uh, it's a song. So coming off of Guitar Drill Man. Yes. Mine is a song. It is uh, Indifference by Pearl Jam. It is uh, the acoustic closer to their second album. And I think part of the reason why it's on this list is because when I first heard it, it was like in the car at night in the rain. And so it just kind of had a certain atmosphere to it. But the core of the song, as noted by the, the title, is basically just feeling like nothing that you do matters. Um, and I was just reaching the age where there was that kind of like hint of, of dread as to whether or not like I could do anything that would have any effect on the world. Uh, or even just like a, just day to day choices, just like, is everything just kind of what it's going to be or can I, can I do something about it? But it's just got to be because it's this kind of, uh, there's a lot of open space in the song, I guess, because it's, it's, it's acoustic and they have a little bit of like, uh, like echo to it where it just sounds like this big, empty, dark room. Um, and that coupled with the lyrical content and the, the, like, where I was when I heard it, it just had a very haunting feeling. And I actually asked my dad, I was like, can we listen to something else, please? And he's like, oh, but it's like my favorite song on the album. I'm like, I'm sorry, I just can't right now. Um, <laughs> But, like, it is a very good song. Like, I have, I own the CD myself, and it's a really good song, and it definitely fits well on the album, but just when I first heard it, I just, I, I couldn't do it. Poor Josh. (laughs) I don't, I've never heard the song, so I can't really contribute anything, but I do want to move on to my number six, because it actually does flow well from that. Uh, Number six is Madonna's Express Yourself video. Okay. Yeah, okay. For anyone who hasn't seen the Express Yourself music video, you haven't, right? 
Correct. You're not a Madonna fan, so that makes sense. But I'm, I don't know when I would have seen this. My mom said my dad watched a lot of MTV when I was little, which makes sense because he was like a young man in his 20s. So he should have been watching MTV. And, um, this music video is, uh, she, I think she was inspired by the movie Metropolis. Uh, have you seen Metropolis? No. Okay. It's a 1920s, uh, is it Fritz Lang? It might be. Uh, like some like German silent film from the twenties that is about, I think it was the very first uh, dystopian film. Okay, I know that I know what you are referring to. I've never seen it, but yeah. I think I've seen a couple screenshots of it. But basically, there's like this lower class of people who like work, and then like everyone else lives above, and they like have fantastic lives, and they're all like the rich, pretty people. Yeah, whatever. But um, so Madonna is like up in her tower singing her song and shit. And like the guy, the guy who's like she's attracted to or he's just like attracted to her or something works in this factory where it looks like all they make is chains and water because there's like water dripping off the walls everywhere. And these gears, <laughs> these gears turning and it's all like kind of dark and like it looks like mysterious and sexy as an adult. But as a child, I was like, that looks terrifying. And I had so many nightmares about the down below place <laughs> where if you watch the music video, you'll be like, why is it? <laughs> why were you so afraid of this? But I would dream of those gears turning and wake up screaming just like inconsolable. I have to sleep in my parents' room. All because of Madonna. <laughs> Gosh, dang it, Madonna. <laughs> yeah. So everyone go watch that music video and tell me what a dumbass I am, but I don't know. <laughs> it's not even slightly scary, but it's only high up on the list because of the screaming nightmares I had. That's right. why it's charting so high. <laughs> Express yourself. <laughs> All right, your turn. Uh, my number six is actually kind of kind of similar to my number 10. I think there there might be I have some sort of theme going on here, but I don't know what it is. Uh so you know Fantasia? Sure do. Do you know Night on Bald Mountain? Oh shit. Yes. Here's the thing, not scared of the big demon and the spirits. Not a bit scared of the thing afterwards when after he goes to sleep and it's just like 5 minutes of like silhouetted people walking with lanterns like through the forest and up the hill that part freaks me the heck out still kind of freaks me out but the giant demon on the mountain no problem with that bit there i i am way more scared of like the like haunting loneliness of things and the silence than i am of like the actual like spooky parts of i have a question i have a question for you were okay you love the lord of the rings films right Yes. Were you terrified of the elves walking one by one, single file through the forest as they leave this land to go to the haven? Because that's what this mental image is giving me of, of, of them. Oh, walk- um, Did that upset you, or were you too old at that point? I don't think that upset me, but I think that might have had to do with the fact that, like, the context of the whole movie around it, I was so comfortable with all of that that it wouldn't have like displaced me too much. Okay. Um. But, like, Spirited Away has a little bit of that kind of underlying creepiness of it because it's, like, the whole spirit world thing. And then Fantasia, just the 
the kind of craziness of some of the shorts and stuff that like you never you never get like super comfortable because one minute there's just like dancing hippopotamuses and then the next minute there's like it's all done with just like colored lines moving through a dark space and so yeah i don't know but that specific sequence of them just like going through the forest with just like it's just these lanterns and like silhouettes and it freaks me out and i would like turn it off after after the demon went to sleep so like Chernabog, no problem with him. It's just people with lanterns after that. I don't remember that part. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that wasn't even my favorite sequence. I wasn't afraid of it. Um, I, my favorite sequence in that movie was the dinosaurs, and I was kind of like, I got kind of got thrilled, like oh, by the fight between the Stegosaurus and the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And just oh, dude, that one—the end of that one—freaks me out too. Where all their bones just kind of sink into the ground. Yeah, that's yeah, that was one. Yeah. That was one where I was like, I don't know about this. This is crazy. <laughs> but it's funny to watch now because that's not what we think of dinosaurs looking like. It's all like incorrect. But that music they used, like the Rite of Spring by oh, Jesus, I don't know, was he Russian? I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, it was Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mickey Mouse. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that dun 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 dun, dun and then the dinosaurs. Oh, it was so good. That that movie. Fantasia is, is really it's a brilliant like concept. Fantasia two thousand sucked. I don't remember much about. I like the one with the uh, the like forest spirit and the phoenix. I can't remember the, much. Like, he- that's like the headlining one from two thousand. I don't remember much of the other ones. I think they tried to make it to like modern because the old one is like they just went they went just buck wild with some of those right it was i felt like yeah i felt like the um original one was so much more creative which is interesting because that's like 1940s and who was creative then i think was frowned upon i think everyone had to be normal but um (laughs) yeah I i was i found it very lackluster basically and plus i can't even remember any sequence from it like you just said a thing and i was like i don't remember that if that was like the headlining thing from it. Yeah. I think the other big one from 2000 is the one where Donald Duck is Noah. But like, you don't go to Fantasia for characters you recognize. Like, that's not what Fantasia is about. It's just about like pure creative expression mixed with classical music. So like, well, sticking Mi- Donald Duck in there doesn't. Mickey well, gets Mickey the, the Sorcerer's Apprentice thing. That's yeah. the That's the one. Um, But even that, he's not like, he's not Mickey Mickey. Like, it, it's like Mickey playing a role. <laughs> right. That so. sorcerer was kind of scary. The sorcerer is a little spooky. Like, he just, those eyes just burning. And when he, like, hits him with the broom at the end, and he goes running through the door. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, Because you think the music's over, and then it's just those last few. Yeah, get mopping the floor, kid. <laughs> That's what you're paid for. <laughs> Number five. This is, we're now entering the realm of, this is, Stuff that I, like, legit still think is scary. Uh, so number five is uh, Tim Curry's Pennywise from the 1990 TV film adaptation of Stephen King's It. Fair. That clown is the reason I'm afraid of clowns. I don't even think I need to say anything else, even though I quote him pretty often. He, like, frightens me, and I also admire him, but not, like, in a sex way. More like in a, you're scary, and you're very good at that. Well done, you know. <laughs> right. I I always like saying very wise, Georgie. Very wise indeed, for <laughs> like no reason. 
And um, I always go like, we all float, like all that crap. It's what else can you say about Tim Curry? He's Tim Curry. Like you give him a role and he's in and he'll he'll just own it. It'll be so good. Like he's I don't think he's ever uh, given less than like 110. No, I don't even think he'd know how. Like he had a role on Roseanne and that was a really he did a good job on a fucking 30 minute sitcom playing like a tertiary character that they know and he was great in that <laughs> and he was also the voice of like the uh evil spirit and um oh god what was that fairy movie called fern gully and he was like scary in that <laughs> but but pennywise is still number one i don't think bill skarsgård did a bad job as the pennywise in the new movies he did very very well i feel even though I was supremely skeptical of anyone in this besides Tim Curry. But, um, yeah, Tim Curry. Number five for me, it's a double feature of Paranormal Activities 2 and 3. I don't know if I saw the first Paranormal Activity until after I'd seen the second one. But then after that, I've seen all of them, and I've seen almost all of them in theaters. And it started with going to see the second one in theaters. And have you seen any of them? I've seen um, the first four. Did they make more? Yeah. I tapped out after four because I'm like, this is terrible. This isn't, yeah, even, this isn't even fun anymore. Uh, th- for me, it's like the first three are entertaining. And then after that, it's really not. Yeah. So the second one I saw with a group of high school friends. And uh, there are two elements of it that unfortunately, it's kind of only like a it's only going to get you once sort of a thing, because then you know it's going to happen. The first of the two is uh, there is a scene where the kitchen explodes. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, like, he has to be saying that one. So that gets you. Yes. Um, that is one of the best, like, jump scare style scenes I have ever seen. Yeah. It's so well if done. If you're going to jump scare, um, have it be that, you know? Yeah. Something big. Not like, oh, but it was just the door creaking. Teehee. Yeah. You know, I hate that shit. Um, so... That part, that freaked me out. Uh, the other thing that gets me is at the very end, because in between each scene, like each night, there would, it would like go to black, and then it would like tell you like the next night, and then it would switch over to like a new camera feed. And it would do that for each scene, and so at the very end, it fades to black, and it waits for like 60 full seconds before the credits roll. And I thought that that was the greatest, like, <laughs> that is such a great way to keep the tension going, even until the very end. So I really appreciate that. And then we came back home, and everybody stayed the night at my place. <laughs> and uh, at one point, the uh, everybody, like, hung their coats up on the coat rack by the door. And at one point, like, a bunch of the coats fell all at once. <gasps> and we're like, nope, not sleeping anymore. Um, <laughs> so then Paranormal Activity 3... Didn't have any big jump scare things like that, but it did have what I think is the, like, smartest horror movie innovation of the oscillating a long fan. time. The oscillating, oscillating fan, fan cam. Yeah. Yes. That was God, so good. God, still creepy. Because you see the, the scary thing happening, then you're just panning away, and you're like, wait, 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 but what's going to happen? <laughs> we're leaving yeah. it. And you're like, I don't want to go back, but I have to. But I have to go back, and we're going to come back, and it's going to be horrible, isn't it? Yeah. I loved that. That was such a great idea for the put the the camera on the fan like that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so if anyone doesn't know, the third movie is a prequel and takes place in, like, the 80s, and so they're, uh, instead of working with, like, home security cameras, they're just working with a camcorder, and so a guy decides to put the camcorder on an oscillating fan so that he can view most of the house, and that is just so brilliant, and they use it so well. Because it's also, like, it pans for just long enough for you to, like, it's kind of like a, a spot the difference picture, yeah. where you're like, what's changed since the last time I was over here? So that part, I think, is still pretty scary. Like, even after seeing it a couple of times, I'm still like, I don't remember what happens during each pan. I don't I don't want to do it. Don't make me go. Don't make me go. Yeah. Yeah, that was very effective. Um, yeah, I liked Paranormal Activity 3. Yeah. It was solid. I didn't like how the further we got, the more they kind of retconned the first original, like, story. And how we just kept retconning it for each subsequent right. film which i found irritating i don't like when they do that i still don't get how jason could kill everybody when he drowned in a lake when he was a child like i don't understand i don't think it was ever adequately explained i completely just jumped tracks i'm talking about the friday the 13th series well also I, in the first one isn't he not even the killer no because he's dead he drowned in the yeah. lake that's the reason why his mom killed everybody yes yeah, spoiler alert for a movie that's like 40 years old deal with it guys but <laughs> Yeah, I just, my point is, I want horror movies to make sense. I, I just want any yeah. movie to make sense, but particularly uh, horror, because then it's scarier when it makes sense. I would like to actually, before we move on, um, in sticking with uh, Paranormal Activity, I also saw uh, the same group of people I saw some other horror films with, like at home and stuff, and I remember the two that they told me were going to be the scariest were The Strangers... And The Descent. The Strangers is like a home invasion yeah. one with like three masked people. And the big scary part of it is that it's based on true events, in quotation it marks. Uh, <laughs> and the extent of that, I believe, is that it was like someone died in Texas was like the true event that they based it off or something. Like it's a very, no, like, there's very little to go there's off. There's people who died um, in like a cabin. That's it. Yeah. It was like the Ketty. Yeah, that was like, like it was based on the Ketty murders, and um, I think it was like some rural part of California. Yeah, but uh, it's very loosely based. I hate when they, every yeah. time they say true story, I go uh huh. <laughs> I never believe it. <laughs> and then the descent uh, is one about a group of women who go like spelunking, and then they uncover some like weird creatures living way down there, which I think is actually a pretty solid concept. Um, and I think the creature design uh, was sometimes kind of creepy. I just felt that it was outside of that, it was super generically paced. Like, there was a point where we were watching it, and the girl, like, notices when the creature's approaching, so she goes and hides behind, like, a stalagmite. And I just, I, I'm sitting there, I've never seen the movie before, and I just go, three, two, one, and then right at zero, the monster, like, pops out, because, like, they were sticking so closely with what you would expect yeah. horror to do. Uh, and so I was kind of bummed with how stereotypical it got after, like, they set up a good premise. That movie effectively upset me because I have a touch of claustrophobia, and I could not breathe through all the parts where they're going through, like, just these right, like, tiny... Right, those are strong. I, like, those couldn't are, breathe, yeah. couldn't breathe. I couldn't handle it. It's, like, how sick I feel watching space disaster movies. Because of the whole, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to breathe. And I can't I can't watch them anymore. Like, I think Gravity was... No, no, no. I think um, 
Gravity was one where I was like, I don't think I can watch these anymore. And then I watched The Martian and I did enjoy it, but I was like, I don't want to see space disaster movies anymore. And then Interstellar came out and everyone's like, it's amazing. And I was like, I'm not going to space again. I'm done. (laughs) You pack it up, Elon Musk. Leave me alone. I'm not going to space. Number four? All right. So my number four is a very American ghost that dates back to hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I'm talking about your friend and mine, the Headless Horseman. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. That Disney Ichabod and Mr. Toad, like, the Mr. Toad part is bullshit, but, like, when we get to the Ichabod Crane story with that Headless Horseman, no. That was so scary. So scary. And uh, I I was upset by Sleepy Hollow. Like, ever since, like, I was, like, a kid watching the Headless Horseman, like, people losing their heads has been the most upsetting thing to me. Like, I can't handle it. Like, if there's, like, um, I think we might have mentioned on this podcast before that there's a website called DoesTheDogDie.com. So if you're watching a horror movie and you're getting a bad feeling, you stop everything, go to it, check, like, does the dog die in this? They will also tell you if there's any jump scares. It also tells you if there is going to be any, like, flashing lights, you know, because some people are sensitive to that. And they also tell you if someone gets beheaded. I appreciate that warning. Yeah, I gotta say, Headless Horseman is so, so scary. Particularly in, um, that whole sequence of Ichabod trying to ride home after the party, and then the Headless Horseman, like, doesn't show up right away, but he's getting gradually spooked, is just so effective, and, like, it was just brilliantly paced, and you've seen it, right? I actually, I have not seen the animated one. I saw a local stage production of the story once, and I thought that they did a really good job with that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be fun. But, no, you you gotta see the Disney one. It, it's actually, like, it's really good. Like, it's better than it has any business being. It's it's always paired with, it's called, like, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, because they have, like, a, like, it begins with, like, um like, a story they took from The Wind in the Willows. I never read it, so... I don't know, yeah. but it's like uh, Mr. Toad with his racing car when he gets arrested and there's like this all this crap. Yeah. Anyway, I'm always just like, oh, that's bull crap. Let's get to the second story. And the second story is narrated by your friend and mine, Bing Crosby. <laughs> He's all like, well, us Yanks back in the States, we like ourselves a good ghost story. And I'm like, take it home, Bing. Here we go. This is gonna. This is the better story. This is the story everyone's here to see, not. Mr. Toad, sorry if anyone really loved The Wind in the Willows. I never read it. I didn't grow up with it. I don't care. Based on the strength of the story we see in this movie, I really am just like ten shades that don't give a shit. But The only thing I know about it is the really lackluster ride at Disneyland, because we tried to like do every ride once, and I was just like, that one wasn't worth it. But don't you end up in hell? I heard you end up in hell. Well, that's just because the ride sucks. <laughs> No, it's just California. Oh, well, that's mean. That's mean. Okay. Um, yeah, the Headless Horseman is terrifying. That's solid. Yeah. My number four is, so I, I, did, I didn't watch a ton of them, but I did read, for sure, a lot of Goosebumps books. Uh-oh. Uh, so I remember the, like... The, there was the the camp one, and the, there's a guy who's, like, eating flies on the cover, and then, like, stay out of the basement and all of those. But the one that spooked me the most and has set off a lifelong fear for me is Night of the Living Dummy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember you talking about uh, this. And, 
Yeah, uh, and I made an allusion to this earlier, but I did not like it so much that I had to lock it in the drawer of a desk in my basement. <laughs> it was a it was a plastic desk that I had from when I was even younger, and it had it was actually really cool. It was a um it was a tracing desk, and so it had a, like a light from under the the main part of it, so that you could put stuff on it and then trace using the light that was installed in it. And uh, we had it down in the basement because I had outgrown it. And I uh, stuffed my copy of Night of the Living Dummy in the drawer and uh, ran back up the stairs and avoided it. (laughs) (laughs) And ever since, I do not like ventriloquist puppets. Uh, So Jeff Dunham can F right off. Uh, Yeah, not only is he racist, it's scary. (laughs) Yeah, he's not funny. He's racist and is too spooky for me. Yeah, I remember I remember you telling me about that, but I couldn't remember I could never remember which one it was cuz I think cuz you locked it in a basement, so my mind always went to stay out of the basement. And I'm like, "No, I don't think that's the one cuz you're like, "Oh no, plants." You know, I think that's what stay out of the basement yeah. was about, right? Yeah. So yes, it was it was Night of the Living Dummy. I don't th- I really don't think any of the other Goosebump books like freaked me out. Like they were like fun. I liked them, but I don't think I got like that upset by any of them except for that specific one. That's all I have for that one. Well, that's a good one. Okay, for my next one, I am sending you the freaking video of it so you can see for yourself how horrifying this is cuz most people in like your age bracket and honestly even in my age bracket have never heard of this film. Never know what I'm talking about, but it's a scene. It's a uh, live-action Disney film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. From the what it sounds like, it's <laughs> it takes place in Ireland, and in it, like Darby O'Gill, I think he's like kind of this ne'er-do-well old man kind of character, and he's got like a pretty young daughter who's being romanced by you'll never guess in a million years, Mr. Sean Connery, um, <laughs> who gets a musical moment. Where he's like chopping wood singing, she's my dear, my darling one, her eyes are sparkling full of fun. <laughs> it's, you know, because Scottish people, you can make them be Irish and it's fight, you know, yeah. you can totally do it. It's basically the same thing, right? It's not, it's not, don't send me angry emails. So there's a scene in it, like Darby O'Gill and the little people, like clearly the little people is like the leprechauns, like he has a relationship with it. It's been a while since. Oh, speaking of, speaking of. Dumb references. Uh, please utilize the next 340-ish days, uh, whenever possible, to uh, get me to reference the, the Vine about uh, their limited technology to their yes. advantage. Because they're doing, like, green screen style thing, but they're letting the, like, they're letting the um, kind of incomplete effect just make it even that much more unsettling with, like, the distorted colors and stuff. The face, when you finally uh, see the face, you just, like, shit yourself. Yeah. That scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't handle it. <laughs> so, that kind of set me up for, okay, you remember when we were reading Fable Haven and I got upset by the spectral woman who was outside? Yep. This is where it stems from. This is where it stems from. Spectral <laughs> women scare the shit out of me because of Darby O'Gill and the little people. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I could be haunted by any other kind of ghost, but not that one. Can't. <laughs> I will just die. I can't handle it. I don't want a headless ghost. I don't want a. I don't want a like a wraith-like banshee type figure. But that 
um, that figure has, um, like the wraith-like woman has appeared in so many nightmares I've had. I had one where I had like a bad friend who stole some like pendant of mine that was actually like a protective talisman. And then this like scary hooded figure woman like grabbed me and like bit into like my neck and I woke up screaming, like literally woke up screaming. And I had this as an adult. So, oh my goodness. So, um, yeah. So the Banshee from Darby O'Kill has set me up for that's because of how vivid this is and how often I've seen the wraith like lady. I'm wondering if it, it there's like this f- form of sleep disorder that I can't really remember, but I don't feel like I'm awake while it's happening. Sleep paralysis? Yeah, I don't think that's what's happening to me, though. I think it's just a very vivid dream. It does feel real, but at no point do I think, oh, my God, I'm I'm awake in the real world. Why is this happening? You know? So yeah. that's kind of like a key part of sleep paralysis. But I know, do know that also a key part of sleep paralysis is that your like hallucination thing that you see is always the same thing. You're like, oh, no, the dripping man is here. You know, I, I heard a girl on a podcast talking about it and hers was like guy who was completely just soaking wet in like a tuxedo. And that's what she saw. And that sounds horrible. <laughs> But yeah, mine is the wraith-like lady who's kind of like the banshee in Darby O'Gill. <laughs> My number three is sand sharks. Is this a thing? So here's the thing okay. about it. I am convinced that as a child, I watched a film that had, it was a live action film, and there was a sequence where there were a couple of kids that were running through a, a sandy area and they were being pursued by, they weren't huge sharks, they were probably like, you know, two or three feet long, that, like, swam through the sand, and they were, like, chasing after them. And for the longest time, I thought this was a scene in Labyrinth, but after reading a synopsis of Labyrinth, no, and talking to yeah. people who have seen Labyrinth, they don't recall no, that this. Didn't. And I, I'm trying to think of other movies it could have been, but I know that based on, like, the quality of the special effects, it couldn't have been any later than, like, mid-90s and probably no earlier than, like, 1980. So it was some fantasy-esque sort of children's film from that window, and I am freaked out by these sand shark things, and they're horrifying, but I cannot for the life of me figure out where they came from, and I'm at the point now where maybe they didn't come from anything, and it was actually, like, a weird dream, and then I just inserted it somewhere. But... Somewhere along the line, I became convinced that there is a scene of children running away from three-foot sharks that swim through the sand, and they are the scariest. I feel like I might know what that is, but I don't remember this scene, but it sounds like it would be right on par with something you'd see in the movie Return to Oz. I don't I think feel I like, saw that, but I'm going to... I feel like it. that might have happened in that movie. They had a lot of really horrible things in that movie. I was scared in particular of these characters called the Wheelers. They just had... I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and I hate it. It's really scary. I... It's uh, Ferruja Balk is in it, and she's a very like little girl at the time. And uh, it, it's all dark all the way through, because Dorothy, she's, she was put in a nut house because of like being like, oh yeah, I was in Oz. And they're like, you're crazy. And... She, I think she's got an electric shock therapy and all that, and she ends up back mm. in Oz. And it's spooky the whole way through. And there's a, a character in it who's, like, uh, this queen who can, like, change her heads. She, like, removes her head and puts on a different one. And she has all these heads stored in, like, a glass cupboard so you all see them. And there's a scene, I think, where all the heads are screaming. But I feel like they had to cross a desert to get out of Oz. And I think they did it in a boat 
walked across the sand and I feel like there was something in the sand. It's been a while since I saw this because again, the sand sharks weren't, if, if they were in this, they wouldn't have been a, the thing that scared me. It was something else. But yeah, I'm looking at, I see the desert scenes here. None of this looks familiar. Okay. So either I blocked out the entirety of the film. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. But um, yeah. that, that's my suggestion. I don't. I don't know though. Maybe someone else knows. But it sounds. Please, dear God, if someone wants to solve this mystery, it for sounds me. vaguely familiar. It does. Like I don't think you're crazy. I think you did see this somewhere. I feel like I've seen it, but since it didn't have that that effect on me, I don't remember it. Oh well. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of this mystery someday. <laughs> that's really scary though. Now I kind of want to rewatch Return to Oz. Yeah, there's like these horrible characters in it called wheelers. They have like these really long, absurdly long arms and legs, and they just, they're painted up a little weird. They look kind of like clowns, and they just have like wheels on their hands and legs, and they just chase after you. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just Googled it, and I don't like no, them either. No, uh-uh. I was just like, this is so fucking scary. <laughs> I can't handle this. But like, I would watch it. I think I only was able to handle it like a handful of times because I don't have it memorized beat for beat like so many movies I did watch during that time. So I think it was a little too much for me. I'd be like, I'll try this again. Like, no, I'm going to stick to original Oz, even though that wasn't completely safe from like nightmare fuel. Um, Speaking of nightmare fuel, uh, my number two is this scary story called The Golden Arm. And it was something my mom told me. Again, I was probably like four. She shouldn't have been telling me this, but I loved the story until I didn't. <laughs> you know, she'd be telling it. I'd be like, oh, this is such a scary story. And then I'd be laying down to sleep and then I wouldn't like it anymore. Um, that happened to me a lot. It still happens to me. I just want to add, though, that my mom had someone told this story to her when she was a child in the 60s and she was at somebody's house and they told it. When they got to the end, she was so scared by the story, someone had to walk her home because she could not walk by herself because she was so spooked. <laughs> and she was an older kid than me, so she should have known better than to introduce this story to me. But um, this story, there's like many different variations of this. When I start telling it, you're going to recognize the kind of tropey thing this is. But um, there was a woman. She had a golden arm solid gold and she married a crummy guy who um killed her cut off her arm and he buried her in the backyard and i think he like melted it down or whatever he sold it so he could get money so that night you know after he'd murdered her or whatever he goes to bed and he hears from the yard who has my golden arm you know and the same thing yeah. she says it over and over as she approaches and then you know grab him go you got it you know that kind of story yes, yes. i ate that shit up with a spoon loved it until I didn't. <laughs> but the house we lived in when I heard this story was a one-story house. So I could just picture this woman drifting through our yard, through the sliding glass door in the back, through the house to my door. And I was always convinced I was seeing things. I know it's just light. It was just the play of like a little bit of light coming through. But I was always thinking I was seeing something in the room that wasn't actually there. I still have that now to this day. But I'm just all like, no, my eyes are being weird. There's nothing there. But that was just so scary. And like my mom just has to do that Ooh, like sound. And it like upsets me. I go, shut up. Stop it. Stop it. And I'm, and I'm an adult. <laughs> so that's why it's number two for like all the sleepless nights it's caused. 
And I think it's kind of closely linked with the Banshee, and that's why they're kind of together on my list, like at number three and number two. Just the spectral right. woman is just completely terrifying to me. And I wonder why that is. Do you think it's because women are supposed to be like maternal and like caring? And then when they aren't, it's like really, really scary. They're going to kill you. That There might be something yeah, to that. I don't know. Yeah. Number two for me is actually, I, I kind of lumped a couple of things together, but it's the broad umbrella of fever nightmares. Oh, boy. Because fever nightmares are different from regular nightmares in the sense that usually the scary thing isn't actually scary. Like, a real nightmare could be, like, a family member passing away or something that's actually upsetting. And then the fever nightmares are things that shouldn't be scary, but for whatever reason, under the, like, sick brain, they become absolutely horrifying. Yeah. The biggest one for me is, uh, I call it the Little Red Men story. The basic dream is that I am in a village of very small, like, one foot tall or shorter, like, these very red uh, people. They they live this little village, and there is a monster attacking. And the monster takes the form of, like, basically imagine if, like, a comforter could be a monster. Oh, so it's just this giant suffocating shape. It's it's kind of formless, but it is just it it's just this mass that is bearing down on them. And they have a rack of like three they're like three beams of light. They're not like lightsabers, but they are swords that are made entirely of light. And I have to choose the right one to defeat the creature. And every time I pick one, it's the wrong one <laughs> for whatever reason. And so then the comforter creature comes down and suffocates me and everything around me, and then all of a sudden I am just, like, trapped in this mass of, like, writhing, like, muscle and fabric and stuff all around me, and then through the slits between them I can see a little pinprick of light, and it, sa- it says something to me. I don't think it's actually words, but the basically the effect is that we're going to restart the dream. And then I just cycle through this, choosing the wrong thing every time, and then I keep getting suffocated. Oh, wow. And I would have that every time I had, like, a fever or something. I would have this nightmare just over and over again. Um, and so that was, the, that was the big one for me. The other one that I remember, and I've had different variations of it a lot over the years, is basically driving, like, like someone's driving me somewhere, like one of my parents, and... We take a turn down a road that switches to, there's like a river, and the only way to cross it is these like, like it's not a full bridge, it's just like these boxes, and we have to like jump them in the car, which cars don't do that, and so it doesn't go well, and then we end up like sinking or or, or falling into a void or something. But the problem with my fever dreams is specifically that they reset, and I just experience it over and over again throughout the night. Uh, Groundhog Day. Um, Groundhog Day. Fever yeah, dream. I get, yep. So I've had a couple other ones that I don't, I haven't had as frequently, so they're not as vivid. But just fever nightmares. They aren't like, they aren't like real things to be afraid of, but they just get in there and they mess with me and they just keep doing it all throughout the night. Yeah. I don't know if I've had fever dreams. I've had dreams when you have an upset stomach. That causes bad dreams. Yeah, uh-huh. and I've had those quite a bit, and but nothing with, like, a theme or anything, so I can't really, don't really have a story for that. But I've experienced a similar phenomena, and plus I've heard of other people 
whose fever dreams have been something particularly bad, like the wall, the walls pulsing, like that kind of thing, which yeah. is probably just their own um, pulse <laughs> that they're feeling because they're feverish and ill. But yeah, it's really weird what our minds and bodies do, you know, with, without our yeah. consent. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> why are you doing that to yourself? They're like, I'm bored. <laughs> you got us sick and I'm mad at you. So this is what the shit I'm going to throw at you now. <laughs> oh. Okay. Are we ready for number one? So, my number one. This has to do with the house I just described. The house where I heard the tale of the golden arm. Uh, one story house. We had like a big deck in the back where we could have had like, like nice dinners or, uh, had people over to visit. We could not. Cause we had creepy neighbors. And these neighbors would line up at the edge of the property and just stare at you. They were this weird religious family. They all had weird Bible names that weren't just like, you know. Joshua. Yeah. It was like the weird Bible names that only like Amish have. It was weird. But yeah, they all had like these weird biblical names. No one ever seemed to go to school. Their parents weren't working. Just everyone was home all the time so they could all just line up and stare at you. And it was weird. And um, not only that. I'd be playing in my room and I'd look up and there'd be faces in the window of them staring in at me. And I just want to say these kids all had like black eyes and black hair and pale, pale skin. So I'd look up and just see that looking in at me and be like, geez, like ever scared me every single time. Is any wonder I've ended up being such a jumpy person. And because of how creepy and weird they were, there's also like funny stuff for like how weird they were. Like the one, like the oldest boy got a motorcycle and uh, they had like an, you know, those people who get like empty school buses and use them as like, like a RV or whatever. I think yeah. I think they had a grand plan for that, but then didn't end with it. So they just had an empty school bus that they did nothing with, like on their property. And the older boy of the motorcycle would ride the motorcycle back and forth inside the school bus. I can't imagine how awful that must have been because, you know, motorcycles are loud. And then you're in an empty tin can with all that ricochet yeah. back at you. I can't imagine how that would be fun. But yeah, he did that. I just feel like you would you would you would hit the point where like the reverberations like all synchronize and then the entire thing falls apart. <laughs> I wish that had happened, but yeah, it was really loud and weird and uh and their mom looked like a witch from a movie. She had this shriveled horrible face. She, her teeth were gone and she never had teeth in, so that just makes you look even more sunken in your face. And she just looked evil. Like, they were just frightening. And, like, all the kids and the parents in particular, they looked like they came from, like, a picture of some wretched Dust Bowl family, you know, from, like, the 30s. It's what they all looked like. It's just we lived next door to friggin' ghosts, like, how weird they were. And we weren't the only ones who had problems with them. We had people across the street who um, had, like, a picnic I think they had people from their church come over or something. So they had all these people over, like, having a party. And the kids stood on the edge of the property on the other side of a drainage ditch and just stared at everyone while they had their picnic. Like, that, and, and it's number one on here because to this day, I can't have, like, windows open for very long. I, I feel weird when they're open. And I've heard, like, people on YouTube being all like, yeah, look at them at their house with, like, their like blinds shut. That's so weird. And I was just like, I can't handle not having them closed. And I think I even showed you how spooked I am by 
the garage window because there's no way there's no covering for it. So anytime I go in the garage, I just nervously look at that window expecting someone crouched there looking at me because that was my experience for so long. It's just like That's, looking up and someone's looking yeah. in at me and it's those wretched, scary, frightening, horrible looking children. Oh, God. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Uh, they used to come over the fence, too. Uh, like, my mom would get me, like, a little bag of candy, and that was my treat. And um, my favorite was Skittles, because I liked all the colors. Uh, she'd send me out in the yard, and I was like, here's your candy. We'll go out and play. And I'd go out with the candy. They'd see me with candy, climb the fence, hold me back, and take my candy and divvy it up amongst themselves. And my mom saw this happen, like, lots of times, so she stopped sending me outside to play with candy. She said, you have to eat it in the house. Uh, what the heck? Yeah. Did she go and talk to the the creepy mom about that? It did no good. And I think everything kind of culminated, and um, uh, my mom had just had my brother. Uh, she'd had her C-section, and they kept ringing the doorbell and running away ringing the doorbell and running away. And she knew it was those idiots, so she wasn't going to go answer it. But she was sick of it. It was just loud and disruptive, and she has a new baby that, you know, let's try and get him to sleep. And the doorbell keeps ringing. So my mom finally couldn't take it, and she's like, like, okay, watch the baby to me, the four-year-old, and goes over with her, like, sore C-section scars, like, just starts banging and slamming on their door like you've opened this fucking door right now like screaming at them and she said she heard one of the kids go uh oh <laughs> <laughs> and the mom comes to the door and she's all like I am sick of your horrible children ringing my doorbell it's bullshit and I da 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 and the woman says that language isn't necessary and she and there was like one kid in particular who was really creepy and, and my mom pointed at him and said you keep that thing off my property like yelling <laughs> And my mom said she came back and I was just kind of like crouched on the floor uh, next to like my brother who's just kind of like laying on the couch just the because, you know, knew he, he's not doing anything. Right. And, and I was like, good for you, mommy. <laughs> and they had like an oldest daughter who um, she was an adult and she was married herself. And when we put our house up for sale, she came and knocked on the door and was like, I want to look at the house. And my mom's like, there's no friggin' way she's going to afford a house. And my mom just says, like, we're not showing it to anyone who doesn't have an agent with them and shut the door in her face. And apparently they moved shortly after we moved. So that's kind of been our curse with crummy neighbors. But no, no one wow. as creepy as that. Lasting effect on me. Faces and windows can't handle it. <sighs> yeah, that's pretty awful. Yeah. Number one for me is slugs. <laughs> you didn't disappoint. <laughs> they can be kind of freaky, though. That same house where we lived at, there was like a very long slug. Um, I went outside to play and got my tricycle, and there was the slug next to my trike. It had a pattern on the back. It looked like a horrified face, like eyes and mouth, like, oh, like that. And I was like, Gee! and like, like ran inside. And I was like, great, I can't play outside for hours because it's going to take forever for that thing to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand. Did you have a bad experience? Okay, so I think I know why. After some long trying to figure this out, because it, it, it also extends to like, more normal fears, like, I don't like leeches, but a lot of people don't like right. leeches, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, or, like, 
parasitic things that could be in your body. Again, nobody wants no. those. Um, but the slug thing, I think, I think what it comes from is we had, you know, the, the kitchen, the kitchen trash, you'd keep the, you'd, a lot of people keep it under the sink, yeah. right? Like it, in a cupboard or whatever. And one time I remember opening it and there was a fairly substantial slug right on the edge of the trash bin. And I think that might have caused it because it was just that, like, you are in my space. Why are you here? <laughs> and just that immediate, like, I I don't feel like my space is my space anymore sort of reaction to it. Um, I think that might have been what triggered it because it also was just one of the big ugly ones yeah. that I just that aren't good to begin with. So that might have been what started. I don't remember if I was scared of it, uh, scared of them before that. But, uh, it was, it's also one of those things where when I would tell my friends, they would be like, depending on the age of when I told them and stuff, some people would be like, that's weird, but okay. And then others would change my computer background to pictures of slugs. Uh. Um, so that was, that, th- that was fun, uh, I, making them go in and change it back and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the two, like non-existential fears that I still have as an adult. So it's heights and slugs. I like I still don't like them to this day. I will still I when I go out walking with my girlfriend, she will keep an eye out and she'll let me know if there's anything that I need to avoid looking at or stepping near. Just slugs, how, don't like them. How do you feel about snails? Love them. So adorable. So like the as shell long as the they don't get too it. big. Okay. There's a there's a certain size where I'm like, nope, I'm no good with you either. <laughs> um, but like anything up to like regular garden snail size is like they're pretty adorable. The shell does help a lot. It changes the shape. Yeah. Um, it also provides you a handle to relocate them. Yes. Yes. It's funny. Um, every time I go to work in the morning, especially if it's rained, there's like a whole like passel of them all over the porch and all over the steps, and we're just like, oh, all the snails, look out. And then they're also on the car, like a couple of them, and they're so small. We're just like, this must have been like an all-night task for you to get up here. <laughs> but, this, right? but I just picture the horror of them clinging to the car going like 30 miles an hour down a road, just like, ah! I'm a snail, I don't go this fast. So Yeah, that, might, that must be horrifying. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I always look at the car, and I pluck them off, and toss them into the yard like that's a better place for you buddy not the car i don't even know why it entered your little little head to come up here no slugs slugs are pretty your your little stomach foot head your stomach foot head basically <laughs> no snails are pretty no snail not snails slugs slugs are pretty creepy that's a solid one um i had a roommate who was afraid of them too uh she was from taiwan and I, I, she'd never actually seen any slugs before. I don't know if they just don't have them there. She lived in a city and didn't see them as much or something. But um, she'd get upset with them to the point she'd be screaming and crying. And she called them snot worms because she didn't know they were called slugs. She's like, oh, God, it's a snot worm. And I'm like, it's just it's a slug. It's OK. It's, okay. it's not going to kill you because I'm, I'm not picturing you like screaming and crying or anything. But maybe you just tense up and go like, I don't I don't want that near me. Get it away. Yeah. One, yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand. No, she's she was like hysterics if she saw a slug. I think I had to warn her once, like, I saw a slug on the way here, so you might want to take a different route down the hill to school. And she'd be like, thanks. It won't have moved yet. It won't have moved yet, I know. <laughs> and she would be like, thank you. 
<laughs> Even though I didn't, I didn't like her. But I mean, I'm not an asshole. I mean, not not that big of a one. <laughs> <sighs> all right. So that, I think that was all our spooks, and I think there were some bonus ones in there too. I thought I thought of a couple more while we were doing that, but I uh, I didn't I, I didn't want to go into them without like sitting and remembering them a bit more. Um, so maybe maybe down the line we can we can maybe not another full top ten, but we can throw in a couple at some point down the line. Yeah. But yeah, that was fun. It's nice to break away from the the regular format every once in a while. Keeps things fresh. Woohoo! So for next month, we're sticking with uh, the kind of spooky theme, and we're reading. Uh, Dead Voices, which is the sequel to Small Spaces, which we've been looking forward to pretty much since we finished recording the Small Spaces. Yeah, episode. yeah, we're we're in for some spooks and some fun. Mine just arrived in the mail like yesterday, so I'm very excited. I, I've had mine on uh, my on my our, our recording table that we haven't been to in nearly a year, and I've just been looking at it every once in a while, like, oh boy, it's that book. This is gonna be so fun. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. A an advanced reader copy of the Bear and the Nightingale came through the school, oh. and I snagged it. Um, I have not read it myself yet, uh, but I sent it home to my dad, uh, and he read it and he liked it. So I found the rest of the trilogy, yeah. and I am sending that to him later. So yeah, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed it. I haven't read the rest of the books in the trilogy. I just read the first one, and yeah. it's it's good. Um, I it's like based on like Russian mythology and like folklore which i don't know a whole lot about so it's it was fun i like when we get to explore you know because we all all of it's just we've talked about this it's all just beauty and the beast like they all just (laughs) rewrite beauty and the beast over and over so it's like oh hey here's we're gonna be doing this from uganda and i'm like cool tell me more i know nothing about this like i'm so sick of like this very small part, I almost said Europea, this very small part of Europe where we follow fairy tales from there. And it's just, let's go somewhere else with this. So, yeah, yeah. so the Russian stuff was very much appreciated. Nice. But So, yeah, a little recommendation for you guys if you finish uh, Dead Voices and, and are like, what else has this woman written? It's like, well, let me tell you. Yeah, so we're going to be taking a look at that and... uh We've actually planned a little bit ahead uh, so that we can take uh, we can take most of December off as a vacation to, you know, not do anything for the holidays because the pandemic's still a thing. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Not my fault. I wear a mask. <laughs> not my fault. I wear a mask. That'd be a good t-shirt, especially if you're not wearing a mask while you're wearing the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not even picking. I'm not even like dressing up as anything for Halloween. There's there's no point. Yeah. I don't there's not going to be trick or treaters. Yeah, I and like yeah, even if there were trick or treaters, I would just be like stop visiting strangers. Yeah. I could have <laughs> coughed on all of this. Oh god, they take it to like the the hospital instead of the police station to check for razor blades. They're running it through like covid testing to make sure <laughs> there's no covid on the candy. <laughs> Uh, the lesson learned here is this is actually a perfect year to put the razor blades in because people will be looking for COVID yeah, instead. Yeah, yeah. Didn't the razor blade thing happen? It was like once and it was like a family member that was trying to do it. And then the media spun it into like this big thing that a bunch of people were doing to ran- random it, strangers. It wasn't kids. a razor blade. Uh, the dad put like a cyanide in the child's um, pixie stick to okay. kill him for um, insurance money. 
And then that's where like, oh, they poison, they poison children's candy. And I don't think there's ever actually been a recorded instance of there being a razor blade in like an apple and a kid biting into it. Even though I remember my friend's dad insisting that he was there. He's like, I got the blood everywhere. I'm like, yeah, did it end up on the news? Because that would end up on the news. Like, why are you lying? <laughs> what a stupid thing to lie about. And I love all the paranoia of like, yeah, they make like edible pots and they give it to children and like go like, do you know how expensive that is? They're not giving that to children. Right? <laughs> You're not wasting their edibles on kids. Shut up. What would even be the point of that? <laughs> like the kid just sits on the ground like, I don't know, man. I don't know. They call him fingers, but you never see him thing. You know? <laughs> This has been Hello, Fellow Kids. (laughs) Hello, Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh and produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. If you want to contact us, you can do so at hfkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at hfkpodcast. You should should review us because, like, that's the closest thing that we can get to advertising because I'm not going to pay to advertise this. No. But if you if y'all if y'all review it, it'll show up more frequently on like suggested feeds. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Those algorithms, algo that dictate everything these days. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we will catch y'all next month. Or it might be. It, I think I'm gonna try to release this on Halloween, so there technically won't be a November release because well, I'll just do it a day early. So we'll see you in December. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.